The Straight Cash Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Say, for example, you want to go to a Timberwolves game soon, see the resurgent Andrew Wiggins, perhaps go courtside, see uh, our own John Krasinski, check out the whole staff. You can go to GameTime. All it takes are two simple taps, and you're there. You can pay through the app. You can buy through the app. You can see... Uh, the view from your seats through the app. It really is the simplest, quickest, and easiest way to buy tickets. All you have to do is download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, and then you can score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hello and welcome to the Straight Cash Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chad Graff, joined today by John Krasinski, where we are sitting high above U.S. Bank Stadium, where the largest crowd to ever watch a Vikings game watched, at least for those who didn't leave at halftime, the Vikings record a massive comeback, unlike we are used to seeing from them, uh, in a in a rather crazy game. I don't think any of us would have expected this whatever it is, week 11 game to be perhaps the best game of the season. And yet here we are. What, what, do you, what are your overall thoughts from uh, a really, frankly, crazy game where the Vikings win 27 to 23 to improve to eight and three entering the bye week? Yeah, I mean, he, you, uh, myself and you, Chad, and Arif all picked the Vikings to win. And that's what happened, right? I mean, that's exactly how we expected it to play out. Right. Uh, nailed it again, 3-0. Yeah. and <laughs> It's just amazing, though. I mean, it, they went from looking as bad as they could possibly look in the first half, getting booed off of the field, rightfully so, uh, looking like they had absolutely nothing going for them. And they, they were just playing, you know, stupid football. To I mean, mistakes all over the place, penalties, turnovers, all this. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> in the second half, and particularly in the fourth quarter, I mean, they just brought an avalanche on the Broncos. And... Um, and that is about as well as they could possibly play. And so to see kind of the momentum swing so wildly from first half to second half was exhausting uh, to, to watch. But, it, you know, it turned from a really ugly, sloppy game into a really fun, thrilling finish that, you know, wasn't uh, assured until the very last play of the game when Jaron Curse makes makes a great play. But uh just a wild game and and a fun one to be at. And it really couldn't have started much worse, as you mentioned. The Vikings punt on their first four possessions. Their fifth possession, Kirk Cousins fumbles, and the Broncos take over in great field position. Looks like they're going to go up maybe 24-0 or something astounding like that. The defense does hold for a field goal after the fumble, which Kirk Cousins mentioned after the game. In hindsight, proves to be a pretty worthwhile stop, even though at the time it just seemed like they were mitigating, you know, perhaps a blowout. But, you know, I I think that I could have seen the Broncos winning sort of a a sleepy game. But what I did not expect was the first half in which the Broncos were just the better team. The Vikings had something like 21 yards. They, They had two first downs through their first four possessions. They didn't have anything going offensively. The defense was getting beaten by Noah Fant, who, 
you know, while as promising as he may be as a rookie, was doing nothing against any other NFL teams. Uh, they were getting beat by a second string, second year quarterback who did not, who should not be doing that against that defense, the way that they're compensated and coached by Mike Zimmer. It was really astounding how many errors that were. Eric Wilson picked up a penalty on, you know, finally the defense gets a stop and are going to, the Broncos are going to punt. And then he gets a neutral zone infraction for lining up in the wrong spot. It was, it was a comedy of errors really to get them down to 20 to nothing to the Broncos. Yeah, it felt so much like the Buffalo game last year where, you know, maybe the Vikings took for granted that they were going to win against a team with a poor record and then they were just getting stomped. And I mean, Denver was making some big plays down the field to Cortland Sutton and then Sutton has the the, the right. receiver pass that he that ran it, it he threw one. it, he caught it, he I did mean, everything. It was amazing and they these guys, you know, the Vikings were on their heels and they were just getting whooped and uh and so I am, I can't even imagine what the atmosphere was like in the locker room when they go into halftime. And right. you got to figure that there's some yelling and some screaming and some frustration. And um, they really, you could say that uh, they needed these the, the final 30 minutes to, I don't know if it saved their season is a little bit probably too drastic, but a loss at home to the Denver Broncos would have been an absolute disaster. And so for them to kind of come out and just hit on all cylinders – for those last two quarters, um, it was startling because they were, I mean, they were so undisciplined. They were so sloppy. They were they were just overwhelmed by a team that shouldn't be overwhelming anyone. I mean, I think the Broncos have a good defense, um, but, you know, they certainly shouldn't have had all the big plays that they had in the first half against the Vikings defense. Yeah, it, it is hard to overstate just how bad a loss in this game would have been not just because it drops the Vikings to seven and four, which isn't ideal. Not just because it would have been a third loss this season to a second straight quarter or to a second string quarterback, which is hard to even fathom for a Mike Zimmer defense. But they're going to Seattle after this, which I think is probably their toughest game of the entire season. And then if you're suddenly staring at seven and five, having to win important games down the stretch at home, it, it becomes very similar to last season. And of course, they didn't get it done last season, and then you've got that hanging over you. So just a huge, huge win for them. You mentioned the frustrations that probably exist at halftime. We'll, we'll get a little bit more into that, into you know how they were able to overcome this, into how they sort of went up tempo. And Kirk Cousins talked about going two minute drill to the point where you know they're even running some of the play, same plays over and over because you only have a set amount of plays in your two minute drill that they started to have to change the play calls, the the signals for the plays uh, to keep the Broncos on their toes, but. Part of that frustration, I think, existed or was embodied most by Stefan Diggs, the star wide receiver who, you know, has already been through a lot this season, skipped a couple of practices, was fined $200,000 earlier this season. He was very evident, apparently frustrated. He was venting on the sidelines to Adam Thielen. Things were not going his way. Things were not going the Vikings way. There was one play in which the Broncos jumped offside and rather than doing what Aaron Rodgers does so well. Uh, Kirk Cousins did not take a chance on a free play downfield where Stefan Diggs was streaking and instead dumped it off to the fullback, C.J. Ham. And that, I think, is when frustrations really started to boil over for Stefan Diggs. John, you're writing about him for The Athletic in a story that will be posted Sunday night. You watched him throughout the entire second half on the sideline. What happened with Stefan Diggs? How did it go from, you know, seemingly a meltdown to a guy who finished with 121 receiving yards and a massive, massive touchdown that brought the Vikings within three points. Yeah, I mean, he was like, looks like 
the the volcano was going to erupt. I mean, he was really frustrated. He got shut out in the first half. Couldn't get it. They couldn't get anything going that way. Um, and he so he wasn't involved. I think there was frustration there. Um, and obviously, they were having a hard time uh, generating points, and and they were down big. And so I think that Diggs really felt like they needed to start getting aggressive and taking some shots down the field, even against a good Denver pass defense. And um, and so it looked at one point like Adam Thielen was sort of coming over to him and trying to calm him down and keep him from just completely blowing his top. And, you know, we know that Stefan is a very emotional guy. And, and so um, it just took, I think, getting him involved in the passing game, hitting some big plays to him. Um, but also, I just think, seeing the offense go into attack mode is what he said in the, in the, in the uh, post-game locker room. He's basically like, look, I thought there was blood in the water and we needed to be aggressive and we needed to go after it. He gets the 54-yard touchdown. He had another deep throw that set up another score. And, and so then all of a sudden he kind of morphs from the guy who is about to go AWOL again into <laughs> the team's biggest cheerleader. And he's you know, getting the crowd up out of its feet, out of its seats, and 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 getting them after it. So, I mean, he really rode the emotional roller coaster on the sideline, and um, yeah, that's Stefan Diggs. That's what he right. does. But we've said this before on this podcast. That's why you put up with some of the antics because he can be such a difference maker um, on the offensive side, and 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 in creating big plays. And also credit to Kirk Cousins who made a couple of unbelievable throws to him to kind of really get that thing loosened up and get the Vikings coming back. Yeah, and I think part of Stefan Diggs' frustrations, and, and we may have mentioned this in some previous articles and stuff, but I think Stefan Diggs got along so well with Case Keenum because mm-hmm. Keenum was a gunslinger and he's going to force it into tight windows. And even if it doesn't look like you're open, Stefan Diggs, I'm going to throw it to you yeah. anyway. And Diggs, of course, loves that. He's both A, very good at contested catches, but also B, he's a wide receiver who likes the ball thrown his way. Kirk Cousins, on the other hand, is much more methodical. As he said, even in his post-game press conference, I'm going to look at option one and then two and then three. And on one of the biggest passes to Stefan Diggs, Kirk Cousins said he was option four. So I think all of that, you know, looking long-term is going to present a question that the Vikings will have to answer this offseason in terms of what they do there with Diggs, obviously um, not thrilled earlier this season, but to see him sort of respond and, and when you get basically good Stefan Diggs when he's engaged and excited and the way that he was after his 54-yard touchdown reception, what was it like just to see him on the sideline where he was, you know, basically the, the biggest cheerleader egging on, you know, the, the fans to get into it? It really turned U.S. Bank Stadium into, I think, as loud as it's been all season. Yeah, it, it did. And he just, he never stopped moving on the sideline. Right. Like He's pacing up and down. He's going to all of his teammates and you know, kind of giving them dap and you know, he found Kirk Cousins on the sideline for a high five. And and so he has this sort of energy about him. And when it's negative, it can be concerning and it can kind of be divisive, I think. And when it's positive, it can be very magnetic and people are drawn to it. And Dalvin Cook said that, you know, they were feeding off of that energy after things got going. And he was, you know, hollering at the defense to keep it up. And and he was getting um, with the offensive linemen and and just saying, keep giving him Kirk time, keep giving Kirk time, and he'll be, you know, we'll keep making those big plays. And so he really kind of morphed very quickly from a player who looked like he was about ready to just walk out of the stadium to one who was bringing everyone together and one whose energy proved to be 
much needed for a really frenetic fourth quarter that they needed to have. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to get into with Kirk Cousins, who finished the game 29 of 35, 319 yards, three touchdowns. This was his first ever comeback win in the fourth quarter with the Vikings. So a big accomplishment for him there. After last week, winning in primetime to Swoley, I think, starting to get these monkeys off of his back that, you know, really have plagued him so far in his time with the Vikings. But I think perhaps the most impressive thing from this is that, the Vikings enter the fourth quarter down 23 to seven and they score on that drive. Dalvin Cook runs it in a little outside zone. Nice move by him. And at that point, it was technically a two score game. If the Vikings get two two point conversions mm-hmm. on the two touchdowns that they would have needed. They, of course, on a little end around with Dalvin Cook are not able to convert on that two-point conversion. And so now the Vikings are down by 10, something like 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's really not looking good. Stevens gets a stop. Kirk Cousins gets the ball back. And that is the drive that ends with the big 54-yard pass to Stephon Diggs. Really encapsulates everything that the Vikings have done well this season. An explosive play. Kirk Cousins bootleg, planting his feet, throwing a nice ball downfield. Diggs with a great route. A lot of the things that, you know, the Vikings are good at when the offense is working. And I think the biggest credit that you can say about Kirk Cousins is after that, the Vikings are within three points. The stadium's rocking. It felt like defense gets a stop. The Vikings are, you know, if not going to win this game, they're at least going to go down and score again. And and sure enough, that's what happened. And that's, I think, not something that you can say too often with Kirk Cousins. That's what you say when Aaron Rodgers gets the ball in the fourth quarter or Tom Brady. But for the first time, it felt like you get Kirk Cousins the ball here with a chance to go win the game. He's going to do it. And and he did. Yeah. And it was amazing how quickly it turned because in the first half, he was checking down too much again. Like, I mean, there was a play where there was an offside and he could have gone deep to digs and he checked down on that. And um, it just was a real cautious game plan. And part of it was he was under a lot of pressure in the first half. The the Broncos had five sacks in the game. And I think most of them were in the first half. Uh, He had one fumble that he lost as well on Mm -hmm. a sack. And in the second half, and particularly in the fourth quarter, he was getting more time to make some of those throws and stand in the pocket. And we have seen that when Cousins is given a good, clean pocket and time to throw, he can make some unbelievable strikes. And, I mean, the one to Diggs on the touchdown was unbelievable. Um, the one that he uh, had the rollout and then kind of the, he had to put some touch on it to yep. Rudolph. The touchdown, turn, the go-ahead, that, yep, the game-winning for, for touchdown. The, for the game-winning score was just a beautiful throw. Yeah, it was. Um, and, and put him into, into some wide open space. And he has all of those tools, but he is one of those guys that so far has shown that he's not going to be the one that puts an offense on his shoulders and is scrambling around and creating something from nothing and, and, and doing it that way. What He does need a little bit of help, but when he does get that help, he is an elite thrower. Mm-hmm. And that's what, and the Vikings needed all of that in that game. You know, the, the quick one to Diggs, the, it came, it was a three play drive, 35 seconds. Like that's what they needed. They needed those quick scores. He also hit a big throw to Diggs on the first um, uh, drive of the, of the first, of the second half so that they got down into position and scored in 331. So that they needed these quick strikes to be able to, to chew up some uh, some of that deficit in a short amount of time. And he really had command of things in that second half. And um, that's a very encouraging thing for the Vikings going down the stretch when your quarterback against a good defense um, is able to 
put things together after it hasn't gone well and really come up with some very, very big plays. You can tell the athletic is now covering Gophers football after John Krasinski used the word elite to discuss Kirk Cousins as a thrower. So, of course, stay tuned uh, for more Gophers coverage down the stretch. But I want to ask you, John, do you think it matters that either to Kirk Cousins or to his perception or to his contract or to the fan base or whatever, does it matter that he had a fourth quarter comeback? Does it matter that last week he he won in primetime? Does that, like, he downplayed it and said, all I want to do is win. If we win the way that we beat the Falcons, great. If I win via a great, you know, big fourth quarter comeback, it's all the same to me. I don't know if I fully believe him, but... Does it matter in the grand scheme of things that he's doing this? Yeah, I think it absolutely does. I mean, he is, like you said earlier, he's kind of, you know, kind of crossing off um, the the doubts that have been surrounding his career, really, even in Washington as well, but certainly since he joined the Vikings. And so we've always, I think, been waiting for Cousins to show us that he's capable of these things. Show us that you're capable of winning on the road against a good opponent in a primetime game. He did that. Show us that you're capable of rallying this team from a big deficit and making big throws in the fourth quarter to win. He did that today. Uh, Those are all things that foster more and more belief. And I think that's really important for a quarterback uh, as the leader of a team, as the leader of an offense. When he gets into that huddle and he looks in the eyes of his teammates and they're down, they have to believe in him. They have to believe that he's going to be able to to rally the troops and the fans, I think, seeing it happen also start to believe in him a little bit more. And that just creates more positive energy. And I think that teams can benefit from that. And certainly Kirk Cousins can. I think he's done a really good job to this point of sort of being able to put the negativity in a silo and not let that get to him. But, um, you know, it's obviously much, much better of a scenario when you are inspiring and you are, you know, getting people to, to buy in to what you have. And little by little, a lot of these doubts are starting to recede and, and go to the wayside. And, you know, pretty soon you'll have to move the goalposts quite a bit. Well, right. he hasn't beaten, you know, uh, Green Bay in, you know, in the in in at Lambeau in in December. Like, right. you know, right. it'll be those kinds of things. And and you can live with that. But those were big ones to be able to beat winning teams to be able to rally in the fourth quarter. Those are that's what makes a good quarterback a great quarterback. And so it was important for him to to kind of take these steps. We've got a lot more to get into from the Vikings big win. Uh, but first a message from Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it all together with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman it is easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com cash and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com cash to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com cash for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com cash. All right, John. The Vikings running Very game. Natural, Very natural, Chad. <laughs> Very Well done. 
it, it has certainly been a, a long week, um, you know, starting with, with the Gophers and, and now into here. So my apologies uh, for a little bit tired today. I woke up at five and made the drive here from Iowa City. And, and I thought it was, you know, after the first half, I thought, what was I thinking to get up and come all the way to cover this miserable game? But uh, of course it worked out. And I think this is probably not exactly the way that Mike Zimmer would like to win very many games. The the running game, you know, just frankly never got going in the second half. You know, they, they probably couldn't rely on it because they were down so much. Is there any concern for you? You mentioned coming into the game that you were interested to see yeah. this running game against the Broncos run defense, which is very good. Is there any concern or, you know, do you just kind of throw that out? Hey, it was a bad half and they never really leaned on it in the second half. So so what does it matter? Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of circumstantial. I mean, I, I did think that I, I, we're looking at the at the Broncos defense heading into this game. They're better against the pass than they were the run. They're still good against the run, but I think they were 16th in yards allowed against the run. And so I thought that maybe there would be a little bit better chance for them to have success on the ground than through the air against the Broncos. But you know, it wasn't going well. They were certainly, the offensive line was having a hard time opening holes for Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. But also, uh, they got down big. And so then that just changes the way that you call a game in the second half. They go into the two-minute offense. They're throwing the ball a lot. That's more circumstantial, I think, than than indications of a, a greater problem. But uh, obviously, they would have loved to have, established the run early and just kind of grinding the Broncos down when that didn't happen it really flipped the script on them and so um I'm I'm not going to let one half mm-hmm. of 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 football really kind of sour you know what has been an MVP caliber season for Dalvin Cook and I imagine going into Seattle in a couple of weeks uh they will be right back to trying to get him the ball a lot and at least I thought it was important that in the fourth quarter, when they couldn't get him going on the ground, they got the ball to him in the air, and he he made a uh, he had a big catch and run that that kind of helped things down the stretch as well. So as long as he's involved one way or another, that's really all that matters to me. Yep, we talked a lot about the offense, Kirk Cousins, the fact that they had four touchdowns on their four drives in the second half. But as Kirk Cousins astutely noted. None of that matters if the defense doesn't get a stand at the end. The Broncos get the ball back with six minutes, one seconds left. And, you know, I think a lot of us were thinking either the Broncos go down and score and Kirk Cousins has a chance to answer, or the Vikings are going to get a quick stop and it's going to come down to Dalvin Cook and see if he can ice the game better than the Vikings were able to in Dallas and and the way that they gave the Cowboys another shot. Instead, the Broncos had a 19-play drive that took up the entirety of the 601 on the clock is sort of a strange drive where a couple times got down to fourth down and the Vikings weren't able to get a stop when so often they, they have been able to um, the Broncos get all the way down to the four yard line, thanks to a penalty. And from there, it's, it's really probably frankly looking bad for the Vikings. They take a timeout with 10 seconds left, which, you know, I would argue I was, I was a little surprised Mike Zimmer even took the timeout in the first place, because not only does it, allow the Broncos who are scrambling with the clock ticking, trying to get up to the line, trying to call a play. It gives them a chance to reset. But also I think it it gave the Broncos a chance to run three plays yeah. instead of just two. On those three plays, uh, I think one of the the big players who really stood out was J. Ron Curse. He's been through a lot this season, uh, both on and off of the field. He's been in some legal issues. He has had really hasn't had the playing time that he's been accustomed to and has wanted. And I think 
Fans have noticed that he has expressed that on social media, on Twitter. He said just a couple days ago that it didn't really look like the Vikings had a future for him. And then, you know, with the way that football can so often, the way it so often works is the players who you don't think are going to make a difference end up making a difference. And he got plenty of playing time today without Anthony Harris playing and came up and made a big play at the very end to come up with a pass deflection. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a really, uh, I think, ugly outcome if Mike Zimmer's pride and joy of the defense, you know, can't stop Brandon Allen and 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 the Denver Broncos offense uh you know down at the end and they really you know flush a, an unbelievable comeback from Kirk Cousins down the toilet but to their credit they played exceptional in the second half three points allowed for the entire half after getting you know kind of thumped in the first half and they made the plays when they needed to make them and Jaron Curse was tremendous um Eric Kendricks was really mm-hmm. good um, and yeah, he's been great all yeah. season and just continued it again. Today. Yep. We had another great game. Sandeo had an interception early, but, and then had to miss some time, but, um, you know, they, they did bend, but they didn't break at right. the end and, and they, they just got just enough to get off of the field. Um, and I, I was the other, I was kind of tearing my hair out too. When, when Zimmer called that timeout, it turned, he must've had a look that he did not like, mm-hmm. and they ended up getting a stop on that down. Um, but you know, he has, Zimmer has had a kind of, uh, a pension for calling timeouts at the end of half and of games that seem to help the offense, uh, sometimes, but this one worked out. Okay. Um, I think that it was big for Jaron curse. Stefan Diggs was incredibly happy for curse knowing what he's kind of been through. And, and so they can go into the bye with a breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief because of that. Cause if, if that, you know, big money defense got shredded down the end after really getting shredded in the first half, boy, it really would have been uh, some hard questions to answer in the, in the post game locker room after that one. Yeah. And it really could have been two weeks in a row. Yep. Like this season could be very different if the defense gives up what it seemed like they were going to against Dak Prescott when he was throwing darts all over the field Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter. And then if it happened two weeks in a row, the Vikings are in a very, very different spot entering the bye. And I think this might be a bit of a bend, but don't break defense. And that hasn't always been the case. They've been just a flat out great defense in recent years. And perhaps they've taken a small step back since then, but the offense has taken a very big step forward by a lot of metrics. The offense has been even just a little bit better than the defense compared to the league average. Um, So I I wouldn't say I'm too terribly concerned about the defense, even though it gave up 23 points at home to a three-win Broncos team. Um, Not too concerned. But now, John, as the Vikings enter the bye, they've got a very big matchup against Seattle looming. What are just your big picture thoughts on where this team is at eight and three entering the bye? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly you just you feel a lot better about where they're at had they you know winning this game than than losing it. And I do think that the the way they went about winning it gives them a little more wind in their sails as well. I mean, to see Kirk Cousins play as well as he did in the second half really, I think, should give them confidence going into a game against Russell Wilson, who's been maybe the MVP of the league, him or Lamar Jackson, to start the season um, in, a, in a very tough place to play. They should feel like, hey, we can we can go in there and we can win this game. He just went to Dallas and won that game. Um, it, they they A lot of things seem to be breaking right for them right now. Maybe they'll have a, an opportunity now to heal some some bruises and some bumps. And, and just get away for a little bit and relax. It has been a kind of hectic first 
11 weeks of the season. And when you get your buy a little bit later in the season than, than, than earlier, um, it's tough to kind of grind through that. But now I think they're very thankful that it's here. And so this is going to give them a chance to kind of regroup, put their toes in some sand probably, and come <laughs> back maybe a little bit even more rejuvenated because they are going to be in one hell of a race with Green Bay down mm-hmm. the stretch. And, uh, and so I think what we have seen is that the as many playoff games as they could get if they get to the playoffs in U.S. Bank Stadium, the better. Right. They're just a different team here. And so they're going to have to go chase down the Packers to do that. And that means there's not going to be a whole lot of margin for error coming out of the gates against a, a, a tougher schedule. Yeah, it looked for a moment, at least in the first half, as if they were ready to put their toes in the sand already. Yeah, uh, but able to rebound. And, and I think the health thing is a very big point. Winval Joseph mm-hmm. missed this game. We know what a big factor he is on the defensive line. Adam Thielen, you know, I think for as well as Kirk Cousins played, as, as well as the offense has done the last two weeks, there's no doubt that the offense just looks different. It's much more explosive when you have Adam Thielen. And, and really, I think he even opens up stuff for Stefan Diggs and perhaps uh, you know, helps mitigate some of the frustration that he would have had. Anthony Harris, you know, even with Sandejo playing well, even with Curse playing well, uh, Anthony Harris is always a big factor. So thank you very much to John Krasinski for joining the show. If you'd like to hear more from him, you can do so by subscribing to the Hoops and Howls podcast on iTunes or the Athletic app. Twice a week show, John's on it, Zach Harper, Britt Robson. They break down uh, all the happenings of the Timberwolves who... You know, what's your 30-second thought on your 30-second pitch on the podcast and the Timberwolves? Things were looking great until this weekend. I mean, <laughs> it's funny, like, you know, the, Andrew Wiggins is playing amazing basketball, then he misses two games and everything falls apart. And who's, who would have believed at the start right. of the season we would have said, man, if they lose Andrew Wiggins, they're really going to be in trouble. They should be getting him back for Utah um, on Monday night, and that will help things a lot. But um, they definitely have hit a little bit of a roadblock here, and – they, now they need Andrew Wiggins to come and save them. That'll do it from U.S. Bank Stadium. Vikings winners 27-23 to in a thrilling matchup. Stay tuned to The Athletic for more from me, John, Arif, Hassan. Uh, should be a, a fun season down the stretch. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Straight Cash Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>